give it to me like <laughs> as a single mom on the outskirts me miss trainer Hey, Melissa. So A to trains. Miss Traina. Michelle Traina. I'm so sorry, Mr. Call. Uh, I, I was She's a good person. She's got a lot of heart and a lot of caffeine. I just walked into chaos in the form of a woman. Welcome the creator, the star of Divorce Diaries, Michelle Traina. Welcome to Divorce Diary Show podcast. I am so excited today because I have one of my <laughs> most favorite guests. Um, oh, he's already shaking his head I'm at me. laughing already. He's a rabbi. He's a friend. He's a lover in my head. Welcome, Noam Rauscher. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Trina? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't get your permission, so I won't go further. I love you. You're a good person. You're a friend of mine. He has the East Coast upbringing, but he lives out in California, which is why we can't get married. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm excited to have you on today. Tell everybody what is going on in Noam Rauscher's world, because you are not only a rabbi, a teacher, you're now a, a, you have a new position. Um, yeah. Definitely share yeah. with us and also share us with us what's going on with your podcast. Thank you. Uh, so life for me is good. It really is. It's great. I have to admit that it's, uh, you know, the kids are at camp. So automatically I get more time for myself, which is really nice. They'll is be... it sleep away? Yeah, it's sleep oh, away. Fuck you, man. I yeah, don't have that. Let me, t- <laughs> let me tell you, when you get to this level of parenting, it's like being Yoda, right? You can just like accomplish any number of different things with your mind. And uh, it's a wonderful experience. Like I miss them terribly and we're sending each other mail. I just got three letters from them the other day, which were really sweet. Uh, and so it's, uh, you know, it's it's wonderful. It's, you know, being divorced and having kids away at summer camp, sleepaway camp for that matter. It's like, you know, almost it's like life right. before got, I got married. And well, so that's like upon- a real weird thing to adjust to. Let's, I want to touch upon this. This is yep. a very good, interesting notion about sleepaway camp with as, yep. as especially as a divorced dad. But tell us what's going on with you. You got a new you got a new job, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to get to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm still doing the coaching stuff, still doing the divorce coaching, still doing the spiritual coaching for men and things like that. Uh, and uh, a lot of that really led to this new opportunity for me, which is to serve as the executive director for the Federation of Jewish Men's Club, which is an international organization uh, with thousands upon thousands of members Uh all guys, right? Some women there too, who are interested in what we do. Uh, But nonetheless, it's a great opportunity for men to come together and find community, uh, build leadership skills, and also practice spiritual well-being. So I'm really excited about it. I've been doing it for a couple of months now, and every day gets better. It's a great group of guys. It's, you know, motivating me in any number of ways. It's stimulating my creative muscles. And and I'm really happy about that. And the podcast is going strong. You know, we're 62, 63 episodes in and we're going to keep going. Uh, we're on a summer break right now, but everything's going good, honestly. Yeah. Things and really it's good. the Jewish Divorce Project that we're talking about. But you also have a few other podcasts, um, the hum- Human Podcast, a few other. Well, are those still working or? Well, so the Human Podcast was an experiment right. of mine when I was really developing my voice uh, within the men's health world. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's fine. Like, for the most part, these are, you know, personal hobbies and personal projects. Well, so they don't need to be, you know, amazing. The the Jewish divorce one I take much more seriously because that's, you know, garnered thousands upon thousands of downloads and a lot of yeah. people find it to be a real resource. And so um, that one I take seriously and would love for, you know, that to expand and grow and and become even more polished. And then there's Jews with Tattoos, which is you know, another personal one, which is much slower, but that's uh, a lot of fun too. 
So I feel like the, 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 the idea of, of creating right from, from what you do both as a rabbi, as a coach, as a father, as a divorcee, um, these podcasts also led to your, it feels like your current position, which sounds amazing. Executive director. I'm already on board and taking off my underwear. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) I want you to listen to your boss. I look, okay. (laughs) Let me just tell you something. I want to just tell everybody. You said it. I didn't. Yes, he did not. We, all right. So no. I love that you also are just like, you don't take life so seriously. Like you can crack a joke. I offered him bread on Passover, like a fucking idiot. And he was like, no, I can't have a bagel. It's Passover, you dumbass. <laughs> who the fuck does that? A girl from Jersey. But, and who also doesn't take it? Like he he's a rabbi and just laughed at it where I have had like, you've heard this story before, like tentative Jewish men that I've dated that have like excommunicated me because, you know, I do stand up, but so, okay. I want to just tell everybody that we were in the running for a reality show and how this happened um, was I have a joke about, I have a friend who's a divorce rabbi and I say, you know, and no one was the first audience to hear the joke in LA. I, I said, you know, I went to my friend, Hey, can you bless my vagina? So I could get a boyfriend. Ha 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 ha. I sent them this clip. This is a new reality show they're creating for people who want to date outside of their faith, uh, you know, the religion, organi- the organized religion. And I said, I want to date a hot Jewish guy. And I sent them this clip. And then the girl, the casting director contacted me, guys, and was legit, watched the clip and said, and said this to me. Hey, love to the bit. We think it would be great. Can you please introduce us to your rabbi friend? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is about me. Yes. <laughs> So then I'm texting Noam to convince him to audition for it as well, interview audition. And then this, but they were like really into you. And then they, nothing has happened since they were, they, but this is the side note that I didn't tell you that I'm going to fucking put them on blast. Now Uh they told me when they called, they're like, we're not going to tell him. And I was like, Oh, whatever. They're like, we, I, 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 they wanted us to they wanted us to try to set each other up with outside of a religion and then sure. but but see if something would happen with us all along oh interesting but like part of me was like do i tell him now or does he just know already that's probably what's gonna happen and also it takes forever for these two things to come to fruition mm. and I, then i that i thought like if it did come to fruition and they offered us a contract i'd be like bitch it's money let's pretend no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> how much are they like, paying us what does it cost to hold hands these days? <laughs> I was like, I remember you were like, you get paid for this? I was like, why the fuck else would I send it to you? That's exactly right. And here I am going like, yeah, it'll be a nice professional opportunity, a good network. And you're like, no, you can actually make money off this. I, what if I, I would not even submit for it if it was zero pay. I mean, there's part of me that I said to her, I'm like, I really do want to meet somebody. But at the same time, I'm like, this it's so exhausting to yeah. meet somebody that yeah. why not mix work with pleasure? Yeah, but, two birds with one stone, but then it's reality TV. How re- how real could it really be? Well, exactly. That's why I was drawing up a script for us. Um, <laughs> but we haven't heard anything from from them since. I've actually been in the running for another reality show, which is I I'm still on the uh, wayside. It's like a reality uh, be thrown in the middle of nowhere with family members, the cousins. <laughs> My cousin oh, Candy. Your cousins, I love your cousins. They're the best. I mean, we could throw you in it too, Noam, if you really want. I would but love we... to meet the cousins at some point. I just want to be on a Zoom call with them. Candy. <laughs> just hear your stories and then respond from that place. 
Well, okay. So we're going to get to a little bit of the stories in a second, but I wanted to bring up a topic that's, uh, and we, we could start with dating, but I like the co-parenting things. You just brought up your kids at sleepaway camp. So yeah. how many years have your kids been going away to sleepaway camp? Uh, so my eldest has been going away to sleepaway camp since prior to the divorce and um, he's loved it. I mean, he's taken to it like a fish in water. He absolutely loves it. He loves getting away from us. He loves being in the environment. <laughs> it's a Jewish sleepaway camp. No, in fact, he actually Aww. said to me one time uh, after I picked him up and this gave me real pause uh, because I think it was, you know, I think he went to sleepaway camp for two summers before the divorce. Uh, and my ex and I said, we're not going to tell them. Uh, about the divorce before they go to sleepaway camp. It's obviously going to be, it's going to have to be after. We didn't want to leave them with that sense of anxiety that right. they'd go off to sleepaway camp and then potentially forget about it and then be reminded about it when they came back home. Yeah. So we just left it for a much later time. Uh, but in that time, you know, uh, he obviously could sense that things weren't right in the house. And, right. uh, he, you know, he said to me that uh, he one time when I picked him up, uh, he said that he was sad to leave camp because camp is a nice break from, you know, all the stuff that goes <gasps> on at home. How old yeah. was he at the time? Oh, my God. You know, uh, he must have been elementary. Must have been nine or 10 at okay. the time. And uh, now so, he, yeah. he is about 13 or he's close to it. Yeah. He's okay. So my daughter's 11. Okay. And he so he could sense that. Okay. And that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, so how many weeks is it? Uh, It's three. You said three. Okay. Three. So, so then camp kind of was this place where it's a nice feeling of, uh, kind of a transition. I, yeah. Three weeks. Okay. Just on a side note, this reality show is six weeks. So if I leave my daughter for six weeks, I shouldn't feel guilty. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. I mean, look, you have a good, strong relationship with her and you can keep in contact with her. Absolutely. I remember going to sleepaway camp for a month at a time. Oh, right. That's why it was it was very different growing up on the East Coast. You went for a full month, not three weeks. And, and I think things just changed because parents want different things, more options. Right. Summer, summers might be shorter. Uh, but I remember it being a really wonderful experience and also building up those kind of independent muscles that I needed to get away from my parents and, and live my own life and develop who I was as an individual. Summer camp can be really useful for that sort of thing on top of getting away from all the technology and the crap right. of world outside of camp and all that. Yeah. So as a divorced dad, a big topic mm -hmm. I have today to talk about is um, co-parenting with significant others, because um, I've been struggling on how I process it. Sure. I, my ex, my ex-husband and I have a pretty decent co-parenting relationship. I'd say, um, you know, I'm sure I do things that annoy him and I'm sure he, you know, he does things that annoy me, but it's just, we, we're doing the best we can. And he has a very lovely girlfriend and I, but I, I have anxiety when it comes to dealing with both of them, as opposed to just dealing with him, I rather just deal with him when it comes to parenting things. But sure. at the same time, I, I do want to talk with her about it too, but with scheduling and yeah. uh, scheduling in, in particular, and then things I don't agree with, mm. I don't want to cause conflict. And there's a few things that have come up that I'm like, Oi, do I bite my tongue? Do I talk to my ex-husband? Do I talk to her and my ex-husband? What do I do? Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your experience? Are you on like, are you all for scheduling just between you and your ex-wife or are you open to dealing with the significant other? That's a great question. And there are a lot of complexities within side co-parenting. Um, you know, and I think you have to understand that boundaries are imperative from both sides of, you know, that fence, right? You need to have boundaries for your own sense, right? And what that looks like in terms of 
what co-parenting feels like for you, right? Do you only want to talk about the health and well-being of your children with your ex? I would say that like health matters and things like that right. and money matters and educational matters that pertain to your children are between you and your ex. That 100%. being said, right, you know, you have to also accept that um, their new spouse is part of this picture and they may right. be needed at some point, right? And that your ex might also rely on them in some way to help out, right? Um, and so- you may have to from time to time communicate with them and work things out. So it, you know, I think there is a certain strength, right? An opportunity there to having a good relationship with your ex's new spouse, but you have to work that out and you have to base that on your comfortability level, right? I don't think you can force anything. I don't think anything should yeah. be forced upon you. Uh, and you also can't expect that, you know, just because they're your ex, they're going to parent the same way that you're par- that you no, parent. Uh, that's you're why the- we're divorced. <laughs> right. There you go. Well, but so, even more so, like their new spouse brings their own perspective and, into it. The, and the yeah. thing is, we all, I am on the opposite side of the spec. I think that we relate sort of in some ways, but then there's other ways where I'm like, well, I wouldn't do that. Just like if some of my friends parent differently and then I have to have the conversation with my ex and then I have to be like, hey, this has to be just done between me and you. Can you communicate that? But then the other person is the other, the, the, this, yeah. Like I don't want to be the cause of awkward uncomfortability, but I feel like I'm going to have to be at some point if he's not adhering to like, Hey, let's just keep scheduling between me and you. Now I have a question. Have you ever felt like you're, and I'm, I'm trying to be mindful too, too, because I know my, my stuff is out there and I respect him and his girlfriend enough to know, like, there's always two sides of a story. I'm a little type A. I like to have things where it's like my daughter schedules all the time, hundred percent first. I work in the arts. So not yeah. everybody understands like, oh, well, that's your fault that you have to do comedy. And it's like, but that's right. my job. And you right. know, that kind of gets put into the lens of like, well, it's not our problem, but right. they don't do that. But I feel like that might get that whole thing. Like my ex-husband has said things on and off here and there where- Meaning what? Like you don't work a typical nine to five. And so therefore the scheduling with stuff gets problem. a little bit more difficult, right? And he says like, you've got all this stuff to worry about, that sort of thing. So what he'll do is he's been very supportive in the sense of like, okay, cool, do what you need to do. Right. Um, but there was one conversation we had where he was like, that's not my problem. You work weird hours. And it was like me filming till five o'clock. And then he apologized right. and he apologized, right. but I'm a Sicilian woman and I hold that shit deep in my grudges. Yeah, yeah. So, you bake it into the pizza. I bake it into the pizza. And, <laughs> and so also the way certain text messages comes out, I start to take them as, are you putting your, your schedule first as opposed to our daughter's schedule first? Do you have, um, and have you ever been in a position where you've gotten aggravated with your significant, your ex's significant other or felt that way? It takes time to really build up a relationship with someone new, right? And adults, it takes even longer to build up relationships with someone new because you're kind of set in your ways and you feel certain ways about things. Right. I, I think, you know, for the benefit of everyone involved, it, it, it behooves everyone, right? right? You, your ex, your ex's new spouse, right? Your new spouse, if they're part of the picture, to try to make it work My for pillow. your, pe- well, th- you call it a husband for a reason. Uh, you know, um, it behooves you to try to figure out something that works. So it's less stressful on the kids because if they picked it up in your home when you were going through divorce, they're going to pick it up now that things aren't necessarily right. And the last thing that you want is really to bring them into the middle. Um, they shouldn't have to advocate for anything. Um, they shouldn't have to stand up for anyone, right? They should know that they're in good hands because there are adults in the room who are willing to take, you know, their child, th- their rearing 
very seriously, right? And put their own stuff aside. That being said, right, when it's your specific custody time, you have to figure out what works for you and with your kid, right? And if you need to get coverage, then you need to do something about it. And when it's your ex's uh, custody time, they shouldn't necessarily expect that they can just rely on you right, to pick up the slack when they can't make something work, right? No, they don't. But what ends up happening is if ske scheduling stuff, I like to just do that with my ex as opposed to conversing, I think, with his girlfriend because then it gets confusing to me because she, she'll be like, it'll take him forever to get back, which I understand her lens. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be the bad guy and be like, nope, that don't work because of this, 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 and this. So let me communicate to him because I don't give a fuck if I sound like I'm the bad guy to him because we're divorced. And I don't want right. to be setting awkward tension with her and I because right. I think she, she does try to do, I mean, she really goes, I do feel like I, it's a nice relationship we're building. So with that said, um, that sounds like a great opportunity there. Have you ever like gone out to coffee or a drink with her and been like, right, you know, this is what I'm dealing with and this is the type of support I need. And I don't want things to be bad between us because I care about my daughter. Yeah. And so, you know, we've all got to work together. We haven't gone by ourselves. We have gone out after like competition meets. And so I think I do, I should do that. Um, I do think though, I, I get overwhelmed as every parent has so much they're juggling where it's just another thing I have to put on my list and it's not, it's for some reason it's making me anxious and it's nothing bad. It's just like my own issues I have with my ex-husband surface with the reason why we're broken up. Um, mm -hmm. And it just makes me frustrated. And it's at the end of the day, I'm like, well, you know what? Everyone seems happy. Your daughter seems happy. Let's keep moving it along. I, I think not saying too much because there's certain things I do want to protect, believe it or not, as a stand-up sure. comedian. Sure, uh, about yeah. certain things, but there's are things that I have disagreed with and I feel a certain way about, but that there, I think I do have to swallow like how you're approached or your text. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Have, have you ever gotten yeah. angry at a text where you're like, what the yeah. fuck? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it's really easy to get triggered in co-parent. There's no question about it. And, and the irony is that co-parenting requires, I think, far more communication than even marriage does, did. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, right, you have to decide, A, if this is a, a mountain you're willing to die on or a hill you're willing to die on, whichever the expression is, right? That is to say, is the juice worth the squeeze? Another, you know, uh, idea. But, right, is it really worth it? Is right. it really worth it, right, to bring it up? Is it going to cause more yep. pain or is this you just being hurt, right? Really, what's going to be the overall impact of this? And then I think deciding when is the right time to say something like when has your boundary been violated, yeah. right? And when there is a real need for safety or yes. surety or whatever it is, right? You have to decide when is really the right time to speak up because you never know what's going on the other side, right? You may be getting triggered about things and responding from that perspective. And that's not necessarily wise either, either from an anger standpoint or a fear-based standpoint. And equally, they could respond in the same way. So you yeah. have to kind of use what you know about people, right? Simply as being human beings to determine if this is the right thing to really talk about right now or at all. Okay. So that's a good phrase. That's a good prompt to have above my head when I 
when I start like spiraling and for any other parent that spirals out, like who thinks in processes the way I do a little right. over the place of like, Hey, do I need, like, I tend, if I'm working and they're texting me, I'll tend to have to respond right away. And I'm like, why are you responding right away? They don't respond right away to you. You're fucking working. And I didn't. And so nobody got mad at that. I didn't respond right away. I texted them late at night and said, sorry for the delay. And it was done. But then I think that, um, there are times where I do have to say something if a boundary has been crossed. I have to have that conversation with my ex-husband. Oh, my, oh, and I get anxious. And that's just honestly on me. But have yeah. you ever, what do you tell, uh, like, my ex-husband's not a talkative person. Yeah. What do you tell men in your group that don't, they, they like, he, he looks away and he, he says, he starts saying things when I'm talking and it, it, it makes me feel not heard. I don't think he's trying to intentionally do that. Right. Do you tell men like that kind of react that way? Is there some sort of, cause it, it makes me feel like he's not listening. Well, first and foremost, I think it's really important to like, ask yourself why you feel this way, right? What's going on in that scenario to cause you to feel so triggered about it? Because it's at the very least, it's an opportunity to learn about yourself. I feel uh, like I'm not being heard. Okay. So, but why do you feel like you're not being heard and why is that a problem for you? Particularly if you know that like there's this boundary now that's instituted when it comes to divorce. Um, and that could be something that we go into a, in a little bit more depth, but then there's also the element of, does it really need to be responded to now? Is this a matter of urgency or a matter of courtesy? And I would argue that, you know, if you're working on something and can't break from it and it's not an urgent matter, right, then you can hold off to till you need to communicate and can communicate at a better time. And then all that being said, right, the method that I have a tendency of using with my clients is to is to use the the BIF method, BIF, B-I-F-F, -F, brief, informative, friendly, and firm, right? So oh, when right. you write a text or send an email or even make a phone call, and admittedly typing this stuff out is a lot easier than do than speaking yes, it because I it. if you speak about it, you might find yourself just saying Spiraling. much more and train yeah. a you do a lot of talking and How then talking and then talking. Me, That's what, you don't need to put yourself in that position. Okay. Yeah, I've been in that position um, many times. But brief, others. right? Informative, brief and informative. Tell them exactly what they need to know and nothing more, right? right? Do so in a friendly way. So you don't need to say, hey, bitch, you ain't, you know, taking on my time and all that, right? You don't need oh. to go there. Um, and all the more so, you just need to be firm about it, right? This is what it is. And you don't yeah. necessarily have to relent. Um, and you don't need to share that like you're at work either, right? You don't no, need that's to give out all the information. Yes. That's exactly right. Edited, um, I mean, as a writer, I know, and that like when I write jokes, 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 I have to edit the joke down. So it's the same thing. And I, sure. I actually have done better at that. Right. Um, believe it or not, um, I have, I have, I have taken away so many verbiages from my text messages. I mean, it's, it's probably a sketch in itself. I love that Biff for co-parenting. Um, thank you. Brief, informative, informative, friendly, and firm. Firm. And I would say just as a strategic measure, remember two things. One, this is not going to be, this is certainly not the first time and definitely not the last time that you're going to be triggered by something that comes from your ex, right? So recognizing that this might be something that comes up over and over and over again, behooves you to really take a look at it and see what you can do about it and grow past it so that you can respond differently. Right. right. When it happens in the future. And then if you are in the process of writing text messages and it becomes difficult because you get carried away, don't respond in the text immediately. Take out notes or something like that on your phone, write it in there first and then determine, leave it and then determine if that's really everything that you want to say.
right? Or is there stuff that you need to take out and then copy and paste? Yeah, I don't mean, do I it in the text message. I think that's great. I have done the writing it out and then going back to it. What I tend to do, which is something I have to work on, is I spend way too much energy editing, going back, thinking about it, sitting here, getting sick over it, and then not. So so for me, doing something brief and fortunate, friendly and firm is perfect, but also giving myself a time limit to say, you only can spend five minutes on this and then you have to go back to your work or yeah, something Yeah, absolutely. Don't ruminate about it. Set yourself a timer. And I'll give you one more trick that I think shortcuts yeah. it all, right? Which is kind of the magic key. And that's to say in part of my language, although I know it doesn't really matter on this podcast, but who gives a fuck, right? Honestly, when it yeah. comes in, who gives a fuck? Exactly. Like, you're not going to stop being that little girl's mother. It's not going to stop you from being you. It's not going to stop you from being successful in your own life, in your career. All the more so, I would say, that just saying who gives a fuck enables you to move past it with so much more grace and ease that you can actually enjoy the rest of your life rather than worrying about the content of the text, right? And just but, saying, okay, whatever, doing what you need yeah. to do just to get by and have peace. I, so there was something that was bothering me that was small. And I was like, why is this ruminating? Why is this making this yeah. way? It's making, building so, so much inside of me. Um, and then somebody died that I worked with that I just was with. And I, it was like, no, I'm sorry it, to hear that. Yeah, no, it's okay. And so one of the comedy club owners that would treated me was so wonderfully in the last couple of years, I've worked every time I was there in Ohio, shout out to Pete and Nadal and the family there. They, he passed away and I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting here ruminating about this other stuff. Like who gives a fuck? Like seriously, yeah, at the end right. of the day, um, right. if my child's safety is not in, in harm, then I have to move past it. Okay, great. Love this. This was great. Informative. Now I really hope I can use the rumination strategy in dating, which you already mm. know I don't, Yeah. but let's touch about dating. I mean, okay. So I like totally listened to your podcast a couple months ago about how you were picking and choosing your apps. Yeah. Uh, I joined Hinge, not a huge fan. I can't get into it. I got to meet the person. I got to like see them in person. What is going on? Are you dating? Is your app's life viable? What is happening? No, I'm still off the apps. That was back in January that I think I talked about it. Uh, and I was checking it off on the calendar. Like I made it through this day without being on the apps. And the reason I did that is, look, I, I, I'm looking for love. There's no question about it. I would love for that to be in my life. And I've you know found it in different ways. Um, and so, you know, I, I put myself on the apps in order to be able to find that sort of thing that can become an addiction Ugh. in and of itself, I think. Right. Uh, and certainly being alone and feeling isolated can motivate you even more to do that because it's a social outlet. Uh, and I realized I was on something like seven or eight apps, which just seemed like oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, that's um, overwhelming. not paying oh, for God. all of them. Yeah. Um, some oh, of them cause there's, cause there's verifications. My friend Doug oh, totally. told me he does the verification yeah. shit. Okay. Got right. it. Um, but, and I realized it was just, you know, like in every down moment I had, I was checking the apps to see right. what was going on and that became stale and boring. And I felt like it was just a really poor use of time. There was time where I would be stuck in traffic and like checking and then just thought like, that's really unsafe to do as well. Uh, I do that with so my Instagram. <laughs> I just said, you know, that's it. I, I went cold turkey and I said, look, if I'm alone on the weekends and I'm alone on the weekends and I'm going to do stuff with myself or enhance my other relationships with my friends. And it right. turned out after I got off the apps and particularly for a month, I felt much better about myself. Um, I wasn't so obsessed with the idea of dating. I felt much more carefree. Um, my relationships with other people did improve and, you know, just felt generally better about it. And so it's been wonderful being off the apps. 
Um, certainly also being back on antidepressants helps just kind of like oh. taking away the apps and including the good medicine. I would, I would like uh, never think this is just, I want to say this, like as knowing you as a person, like, yeah. and you seem so grounded and this is a, a good point to make. I would never think, and this is probably the dumbest thing I could not dumb, but it might sound Don't ignorant. Say that. I would never think that Don't you would that. be on antidepressants because you seem so positive, but maybe that is also like, I get as I'm getting older, I'm like, why do I feel down? Like everything is good. Why am I feeling down? Yeah. So it was like, what is it? Comes in all different shades and forms. And I have oh, absolutely. the the feelings I get with the rejection stuff what we've talked about before. Like I was talking to that Jewish guy again via text message, like a moron. Why? why? I don't know. Cause I'm sick. You reached out <laughs> or he reached out. I think I reached out the last time. Oh, train up. I know. So hold on. I had wine and then like, I'll be like, hey, and then and then he'll say something and then I'll think that the door is open again and it's not. And like the last two weeks, two weeks ago, he sent me I, I was like, wait, so are we getting caught? We were we talking about for two hours when my friend died, the, the guy that I worked with. Yeah. And it was a really good, nice conversation. When I got off, I'm like, this is why I don't understand why we can't even see each other as friends. He thinks I'm going to put everything on blast on my stand up and on my podcast, which clearly whatever. So. <laughs> Which you've done, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. I well, guess. he's trying to write. So yeah. then he wrote me this message that just fucking triggered me. Oh, no. Of here like, we go. You asked for went, a guy. On a fucking Saturday night, he's Oof. like, I got off the show, uh, the show that I was on. And he wrote, he wrote, uh, sorry, you're, uh, he was like, sorry, it was a long, he was supposed to text me back like 48 hours prior and then texted me back. Cause it was, uh, it was, uh, the Sabbath. Shabbat. Yes. It was Shabbat. Shabbat. So he doesn't, now he doesn't use his phone at all on, on Friday into, okay. So That's he goes, a I, bad philosophy, but okay. Yeah. Okay. See from the rabbi himself. Okay. It's not that you should put technology away on the Sabbath, right? I would say that everyone needs one Sabbath during the week where they're not on tech because that's just crap. You need to go out yeah. there and see the beauty of the world. But I don't know, like I said, and he's listened to the podcast and he's like, but the last time I heard you say that I pick and choose, I'm like, cause you fucking do. Cause he'll say one thing and then he doesn't go mm. to, all right, whatever. So mm -hmm. he wrote okay. this message on Saturday. I think I need some more time. I'm concerned about it. And I have a lot going on now. Can't have the concerns on my head right now that will come up if we meet that have come up in the past. What? So I wrote, you could have just said no yesterday. And he wrote, was thinking about it. I'll, I'm still not a hundred percent, but I want to give you an answer. So I was like the long wait times insulting. And then he goes, sometimes we make each other happy and sometimes not so great. It's a rough cycle. So let's give it a break for a bit. And then I went the fuck off. I was yeah. like, fuck you. <laughs> I didn't say fuck you. But he, I was That's not the friendly you. part of Biff. No, that's not. That's not what one of the F stands for. I just keep seeing that picture I saw in December with him with the two Jewish women, and I was like, "Fuck you, asshole!" for making me feel less than. And then he'll bring that up yeah, and say, "Yeah, you're gonna say that." It, it. It, it, it's like he yeah. doesn't. He didn't get that what he did to make me feel bad. Yeah. First, it was the religion. Then clearly, my stand up and my podcast took over his brain about yeah. how she's gonna put everything out there. But then my yeah. head goes, "What the fuck are you want to hide?" Like he thinks someone in his business is going to be like oh that's you she's talking about the motherfucker right. will probably be i keep you relevant okay see uh -oh. how i'm spiraling uh -oh. out yeah i can tell i can tell yeah well it's a good thing that you're doing this you know with a friend in view because you can recognize how much you're spiraling out you're right he should have <laughs> just said no i'm not interested 
uh, and closed the door entirely. And it definitely sounds like what he did was he kind of closed it, but left it open as a way of saying, should something change in the future, either in you or should in the me? bitch suck a dick? Cause you know, he's going to be like, I know she sucks dick. Okay. Yeah. I was going right there to that one. No, That's exactly what I was moving for. Um, but no, but I, I think at times you really do need to take a stand because people can suck the life out of you. I, look, I, um, I dated a woman briefly, you know, and it was very confusing at one point during the pandemic um, poor communication just in terms of like what she was really looking for. I was right. very clear um, and thought that there could really be something wonderful there. Uh, and it turned out that that just wasn't possible. So I left it. Um, and admittedly, like I wasn't perfect at it. I thought at another point that like maybe it would work. So I, Everybody you know, reached you. out at the same time, you know, for over a year and a half, she would text me randomly right. and then ghost me. Right. With really opportunist things. Poking the, the buttons. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm willing to bet that this was a form of breadcrumbing, right? If I really looked at it. But the last one, the last straw for me was that um, at the school where I was teaching prior to this job, right. um, she had friends over in that community because it was a synagogue based school. And so um, one of her friends saw me uh, at a 7-Eleven just buying, you know, a snack um, and reached out to her and said to her, I saw Noam over there. And so she texted me, right? And then said that so-and-so saw you over at the 7-Eleven. So I responded, you know, and I'm thinking like, oh, okay, maybe she's opening the door. She's trying to do so in a flirtatious way. So I flirted back and we had a couple friendly text message exchanges. exchanges. Um, and then I called her the next day, hoping that maybe we could talk on the phone like adults do. And she didn't pick up and she didn't call me back. And it just followed the pattern of her randomly yeah. texting out with something opportunistic yeah. and then ghosting me entirely. And that's when I got to the point of like, all right, that's it. And so yeah. I texted her and a lot of people would say, just don't text at all. But my right. perspective was to say, you've oh, got yeah. to set the boundary here and say yeah. that it's not, oh, not okay. Right. And so I was like, listen. Um, I enjoy it when you reach out, but honestly, you do this pattern of reaching out opportunistically and then ghosting you me said and it. I'm yeah. left w wondering what the hell is going on. Um, and she apologized for that. And then that was it. That was it. You um, know, that you did the right thing. I obviously should have stopped talking to him a while ago, but I, we had really good chemistry and I, I obsessed yeah. over the fact yeah. that I'm not good enough because I'm not this. And then he'll, he'll say, but you're going to say that, but you're going to do this. I'm like, fuck you. Don't misbehave. And I won't fucking put you on blast asshole. Okay. Yeah, but I Trina, you know, that especially working in art and entertainment, that rejection is all part of it. And rejection makes you stronger and that there's always going to be other opportunities out there whether it's yeah. a guy or a gig, right? There are always going to be other opportunities out there. Yeah, I agree with you on the the gig part. The men part, I'm definitely feeling like it's just not meant to be forever maybe, but that it maybe maybe I'll change my mind the next time you get to co-host because I'm just not, I'm I, even when I meet new guys, like I met a new guy in Connecticut, I met a new guy in my cousin's barbecue. They're all turning out to be like inconsistent and, flaky and i'm well, just like and there that leads to a wonderful piece of knowledge for yourself which is to say that you want someone who's consistent and you want someone who's going to back up what they say and take accountability for it and practice integrity that seems to be something that's really important to you and and it may mean you need to hold out for that stuff until you really find that in the person and the first person that does demonstrate that that might be worth investigating a little bit more and potentially even potentially even investing a little bit more time yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I might be p potentially investing in a better vibrator. Uh, so <laughs> mine's pretty they old. They call it the annihilator or something like that. I don't like.
like the one I have because I feel like if I have sex, it's not going to like, I'm going to have, it's going to be hard for me to finish it in that way. Um, well, we'll that will be another episode. We'll talk about okay. it. Maybe we'll get some sponsors. All right. Before, because we're running yeah. out of time, I want to do the text or train up. Okay. So this is a new game. And um, like a lot of fun. all right. So you are going to guess if I texted this or someone else. So if you think I texted it, you're going to say that's a trainer. If you think it's somebody else, you're going to say text. Okay. <laughs> here, here we go. In our first ever round of text or trainer. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I have been kind, nice, open and vulnerable to you from the start and saying to not repeat the cycle to me is hurtful. Trainer. Yes. <laughs> Okay, that was just so direct. It had to be Trina, especially in the way that you read it. It sounded so natural. <laughs> next one, next one. Um, great, you're on this side of it. Sorry to bug you today. Just wanted to make sure you guys are okay. That's not you. Damn. Text. Okay, what? good. He's getting. Am I right there? Yes, okay, you're right. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, hold on, wait, hold on. Okay, oh, where did my other text go? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, wait. Oh my goodness, I have them like. I have them on hidden on my phone because I save messages from former lovers. Okay, sure. here we go. I'm able, unless I'm able to reconcile and shift my life and way of thinking and practice, which I'm not able to do right now, which explains the struggle the last two months. On one hand, I'm like, fuck this, let's get together and enjoy the now and go with the flow and do things differently because this is how you grow. But on the other hand, in reality, I'm not there. That's not you. Fuck, you're right again. Okay. Too introspective. Way too <laughs> introspective. Fuck, I'm I sorry. Gotta... I apologize. Way too introspective. Oh, I got one. You are a gem. It made me smile. As the days begin to unfold, as you travel back, know that I also support the notion that the universe has a long-term plan for us. Safe travels. That's not you. You don't say universe unfolds and all that shit. Come on, okay. New Jersey. You got it. You got it. Hold on. Let me see if I can get one that throws you <laughs> off. Ah. Oh! Hold on. I want to see how the cousins do on this. The cousins probably are on gonna the do table. Good. Okay, here it goes. Um, please allow us to be friends. Uh, let's start over. This time I will keep my emotions in my heart and keep your <laughs> blank in yours. So you. No, that's definitely no? no, no. Oh, damn. And and it, it was the it was the producer. We have less than one minute. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me at uh, www.noamrauscher, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R.com. Same email address, noamrauscher.com. Uh, and you can certainly listen to me on the Jewish Divorce Project, which is available on Spotify and iTunes, or Jews with Tattoos, which are great stories about Jews with tattoos, also on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you, Noam. I love you. Inside and out. All right. Thank Bye, you. guys. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye.